Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers, in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. The Lord our God spoke in many ways in the past. However, there were limitations in terms of what we could really understand with regards to what he wanted to share with us and what he could have shared with us. The condition of mankind before the Lord Jesus came was such that we were spiritually dead. We did not have the life of God indwelling within us, and because of that we could not understand the things of God. We could understand some things of God, but we could not really know who he is as a person. There are many things with regards to his character and his person and how he relates to us and how he relates to the world around us that we simply could not understand. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, Paul described it this way, But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. And everyone who was born after Adam and Eve, up until the point where the Lord Jesus provided us with salvation, he provided us with the restoration of the life that had been lost in Adam and Eve, everyone in between that interval of time, they were all natural man. They were all in a condition such that they could not understand truly the things of God. Now, that did not mean that our God could not communicate with them at all. He most certainly could, and there were many things that he did share with people in the past. For example, consider Noah. He spoke to Noah, who was one of our fathers in that respect, in the respect of faith and with respect to righteousness. Noah was recognized by the Lord our God as a man who was righteous, most likely because of the condition of his heart in terms of recognizing that there was no way that he could esteem a right relationship with his God through his own efforts, through his own works, given the many opportunities that our God has taken throughout the course of history to describe how a person would be made righteous, we can have some confidence with regards to that description of righteousness. But he spoke to Noah. He actually spoke to Noah. He took some time out of his busy day, and he said something to Noah. Noah had no confusion with regards to what the Lord had to say to him. He did not have to wonder, is this something that God is speaking to me or not? Is it just my own idea or maybe it's the devil? The Lord our God is perfectly functional and he's very capable of telling us exactly what he wants us to hear and will speak to us in a way that there will be no confusion with regards to whether or not he is speaking to us or whether or not he is directing us. He is fully capable to make this very clear, very direct to each one of his people when the time comes. Noah knew that it was the Lord who was speaking to him. The Lord told him to build an ark. He told him to build a boat. He told Noah that he was going to flood the entire earth, and the only way that Noah would be saved is if he was to build a boat and go into the boat at the time 
when the Lord would bring rain down on the earth and flood the entire earth. Noah was not confused about what the Lord said to him, and so he got busy, and he built the boat that the Lord his God told him to build. He did that, but that was about all that he knew about his God. He knew that his God was going to destroy the earth as it was at that time. He knew that that was the case, and he knew that his God was going to save him. But he did not really know his God in a very deep and personal way. If you were to go and speak with Noah and say something like, Noah, I heard that you heard from the living God, the true God, the one who has created all things. I heard that this was the case, and so I have come to you to ask you for some special insights with regards to our God. Can you help me with a few things? Can you tell me what really is the will of God for my life? Where should I live, maybe, or who should I get married to? What kind of work should I do? These are some of the most popular questions that people ask when they consider the Lord their God and wondering how he might interact with them or intervene in their lives or or what kind of a plan that he may have for them. And so if they know what this plan is, they can make better decisions with regards to their future. But what would Noah really know? What would he really know? As far as we can tell in the scriptures about all he could say to them would be something like this. Listen, don't worry about where you're going to live or who you're going to marry because the Lord is going to drown you soon enough. And so whatever you are going to do, just decide and do it soon because you don't have much time left. He's going to flood this entire earth and he's going to drown you and kill you and I'm going to be saved and so I will go ahead and continue life on this earth after he wipes all of you out. That was about all that he understood. That was about all that he knew. And so for 120 years, he continued to build this ark and no one was saved besides him except for his wife and his sons and their wives. That was it. Because the message that he had was very simple. The Lord told me to build an ark and so I'm building the ark. He spoke to me. He said something to me and I am responding to what he revealed to me, to what he said to me. I am responding to the truth that he has communicated to me. But he hasn't shared anything with you and so you're just on your own. That was about all that he could say. But through the testimony that was revealed through the living God, we know an awful lot about the character of God. We can say that he certainly is not excited about people sinning on his earth, that he feels so strongly about it that he's willing to destroy the entire earth by a flood. Now, he did promise that he wasn't going to do that again, that he was not going to destroy the earth with a flood again, and he provided us with a rainbow as a symbol or as a sign in order to indicate to us that he wasn't going to do that again. Next time he's going to do it with fire. And so we can all certainly look forward to that. But there were others who the Lord spoke to. He spoke to Abraham, for example. He spoke to Abraham and told him, leave town. And that was about all that he knew in the early part of his relationship with his God. And so if you were to go to Abraham and say, Abraham, can you tell me something about my God? Can you tell me something and so that I can know who he is as a person, so that I can appreciate him for who he is and what he's done and what he's going to do in the future? What has he told you? What has he revealed to you? And about all that Abraham could say to him would be something like, well, he told me to leave town, and so I left town. And now I'm just waiting to see what he might reveal to me next. And so if you'd like to know the message that he conveyed, the message is very simple. Leave town. And so he left town, and later the Lord spoke to him again. He spoke to him about Sodom and Gomorrah and how he was going to destroy it. And Abraham had the opportunity to talk with the Lord about it and negotiate with him, in effect. Negotiated him down to ten men if the Lord could only find ten righteous people. 
there in Sodom, then he would not destroy them. But of course he could not find ten, and so he wiped out the communities, and that is a testimony to this day how our God feels about the sins that were being committed there in those communities. The Lord said other things to Abraham. He spoke to him about a child that he would eventually have. They had dinner together, and the Lord established a covenant with him that his children would receive a certain plot of land, a certain territory of land that they would be able to make use of and experience a sense of safety and security throughout their lives. That was a promise that our God made. But there were only a handful of things that the Lord said. All of those things were very important. And perhaps the Lord did say other things to Abraham that are not recorded. But it's important to understand that the Lord only said a few things to Abraham. He did not speak to him all the time. He spoke to him on occasion. Abraham heard from the Lord on occasion throughout his life. And there were times when he was concerned whether or not the Lord really did tell him the truth about what was going to happen in Abraham's future, especially with regards to the child that Abraham was wanting to have. The Lord spoke to Jacob and communicated the Abrahamic covenant to Jacob, that Jacob's children would receive the covenant, the promise that was given to their forefather Abraham. And then the Lord spoke to Moses as another example. He spoke to Moses when Moses was out in the wilderness. He was approximately 80 years old when the Lord finally spoke to him. He had been in the wilderness for 40 years, and the Lord told him to go to Egypt to declare to the Pharaoh that the Lord their God was going to set them free, to ask Pharaoh to set them free. Otherwise, the Lord was going to set them free in a way that the Pharaoh would certainly not appreciate. The Pharaoh did not listen to the words of Moses that were the words of God. He did not respond to that in a positive way, in the way that the Lord would have preferred, I'm sure. And through that, the Lord provided an incredible public testimony with regards to himself. Through the plagues that he executed there on Egypt, it was the first time since Noah that he presented public evidence that he intervened in the lives of humanity and revealed himself, in this case in comparison, with the gods of Egypt. It was at this time that several profound miracles occurred that the living God spoke to the entire world through the plagues that he levied on Egypt and through the messages that he communicated through Moses. This was a major event. When he spoke to Noah about what he was going to do throughout the entire world, no one survived. But at this time, there were people who survived. Many people survived the plagues that were levied on Egypt, and he set the Israelites free. He set the Israelites free through the words that he was able to speak through Moses and through the miracles that he was able to perform through Moses. So he led the people out of Egypt and he took them to Arabia. He took them to Mount Sinai. And there, the living God spoke personally, not just to one or two individuals or a small handful of individuals. It was at this time that the living God actually spoke in a way so that the entire nation of Israel could hear his voice and hear what he had to say. He came down to the mountain, and with lightning and fire he toasted the mountain, and he spoke in a way that everyone could hear very clearly what he had to say, and it was then that he gave the first ten commandments to the children of Israel. But what was their response? What was their reaction to the Lord when he spoke? Their reaction was very simple. They said, we don't want to hear from you. You go talk to Moses and we'll listen to Moses, but we're not interested in hearing from you. Can you imagine how the Lord must have felt when that took place? Could you imagine how he felt when he set all those people free? 
He called them to Himself. Throughout the course of time here on earth, with all the people that He managed to speak with before, now He has the opportunity to have a personal intimate relationship with an entire nation of people. It is estimated that there were approximately two and a half million people that were there before Him at the mountain. And He personally had this opportunity to speak to all of these people and share with them what was really on His heart. And when they heard Him, they said, We don't want to hear from you ever again. We don't want to hear from you anymore. Don't speak to us. You go speak to Moses, that's fine. And we'll do whatever Moses tells us. But we're afraid of you, and we're not interested really in what you have to say anyway. We will do whatever you say, but we're not really interested in you personally. We'll hear what you have to say through Moses, but don't talk to us. And so the Lord our God had an opportunity to speak, and he spoke, but people would not listen. And even today, how many people do we see on a daily basis? How many people do we interact with on a regular basis who quite likely would say the same thing? If the living God would show up right now and today and personally intervene in our lives and speak to us about things that were very important to him and obviously would then be very important to us, how many people would say, I don't want to hear from him. I don't want to hear from the living God. I'll tell you what, if he does have something to say to me, I'll take it under advisement. But I'll let him speak to you about it and you go ahead and tell me what those things are. Considering that, imagine how he feels now, especially in comparison with how he felt back then, about wanting to reach out to people and speak to them and share with them deep, intimate truths about who he is and about the world that he has created and about the things that he is doing here on earth right now. And yet there are so many people who simply are not interested in what he has to say. The Lord also spoke to the nation of Israel through the prophets. He spoke to the prophets over many years, prophesying through them about events that were going to unfold in the future. And sure enough, they unfolded, they took place, and still the people would not really believe all of what he had to say through the prophets. And then the Lord manifested in the flesh. He came here personally. He showed up and he lived a life, just as we live a life in a similar way. He ate, he slept, He worked, and he interacted with the people that were a part of his community. The living God personally showed up in order to speak to his people. This was described in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, that in these last days he has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. The Lord our God spoke through the Lord Jesus, communicating to us the desperate message that there was no way that we could possibly enter the kingdom of heaven outside of his grace and mercy, and other things with regards to future events and how they would unfold. The Lord spoke to us through his Son. The Lord Jesus was here, and he communicated to us the very word of God, the testimony of God. And yet very few people received his message, heard his message, received it personally for themselves, believed the message, and then lived their lives in accordance with the reality that what the Lord Jesus spoke was the very word of God. He spoke to us through his Son, and yet very few people were willing to listen. I'm reminded of an illustration that a friend of mine wrote in one of his books. He wrote about a man who was from India. And this man was in a field, and he was looking at an anthill. And yet off in the distance, he saw that a tractor was approaching. And the tractor was going to plow up that anthill and destroy their colony, perhaps even kill many of the ants that were there. 
He looked at the ants and he desperately wanted to reach out to them. He wanted to reach out to them and warn them of the impending danger that was approaching, of the fact that they were about to be completely destroyed. Their home was at the very least going to be destroyed and many of them were going to die as a result of the destruction that was coming. He wanted so desperately to reach out to them, but he realized that there was no way that they were going to understand a word that he said. It was at that moment that he realized that the only way that he could effectively save these ants from the destruction that was approaching was if he was to become an ant. Then perhaps he would be able to speak to them and warn them of the impending danger of that which was approaching and reach out to them and desperately call them out of their homes, out of their lives, completely out of everything that they knew and had so that perhaps they might be saved. And it was at that moment that he finally recognized what the Lord Jesus actually came to accomplish for us, what our God accomplished for us, that our God manifested in the flesh and became like one of us, just like this man wanted to become like an ant, that our God became like one of us so that he could speak to us directly, reach out to us, tell us about the impending doom and the disaster that was rapidly approaching, to call to us in such a way that we could escape the destruction that was approaching and be saved. And yet very few people listened to what he had to say. And even today, as we still have his testimony available that was well documented by the early disciples, we have the testimony of what he had to say back then, and yet we still do not really believe the Lord Jesus. We don't believe our God. Our God spoke to people in the past, individually, and in some cases in larger groups. And then he finally spoke to the nation of Israel, the entire nation. And the nation as a whole rejected him and was not willing to hear what he had to say. So he spoke to them through the prophets after that, and they still would not listen. And then he personally came to speak to us, and at that time people still did not listen to what he had to say. And even now, today, we have the opportunity to hear the testimony of the things that he has already had to say, and people still will not listen to what he had to say. They will not believe in what he had to say. But without believing what the Lord Jesus shared with us, There is no way that anyone could ever be saved. But that is not the end of the story. That is, in effect, the beginning of a new life, of an entirely new way of life that we can now experience. Because the Lord Jesus solved a very important problem that existed between us and our God. The problem between us and our God was that we were dead. We were spiritually dead. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, they experienced the penalty of losing the spirit of life that had been breathed within them when God created them to begin with. When our God created Adam and Eve, he breathed within them the breath of life and they became a living being. And then through the commandment that he gave, he gave them the commandment that in the day that they would eat from the wrong tree and that day they would surely die. Through that commandment, they did die. They died in that very day. But that death was a spiritual death whereas the presence of the living God, the Holy Spirit, was removed from within them, and so they were at that moment dead to their God. They did die physically, but that was simply a secondary reaction. It was an act of mercy on the part of God, as he completely changed everything about the world, everything about the earth, and some things about humanity. He changed many things, and as a result, we have an opportunity to die physically, so that we can depart from this earth, because this earth is certainly not heaven. But that describes the problem between man and God. The problem is is that we are all born in the image of Adam, spiritually dead without the presence of our God indwelling within us. 
and in that condition there is only one way to solve this problem. First of all, he would have to resolve the sin issue between us and himself, completely bring it to an end so that he could restore to us the spirit of life that had been lost in Adam. And through that restoration, we can be saved from our condition. We can then enter into the kingdom of heaven because we are alive to him. And we can also begin to know the things of God. We can begin to know him in a personal way because he would be indwelling within us. Again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, Paul said, But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But once you are resurrected from the dead, once you receive this life that is now being offered to you as a free gift, then this life will never depart from within you like it did with Adam and Eve, because he died for all of our sins on the cross before he offered to us the life of God that had been lost in Adam. Because of this forgiveness that we have received through the crucifixion, there is no sin left unforgiven that will ever cause this life to depart from within us, and that is salvation. Salvation is being made alive through the restoration of the spirit of life, and it is the forgiveness of sins that makes this salvation possible because there is now no sin that will cause this life to depart from us ever again. And so now, now with the Spirit of God indwelling within you, you have an opportunity. You now have the living God indwelling within you. And what do you suppose he's going to do there? Is he just going to look around and see what you're doing and never interact with you at all? Oh, no. Now he is going to reveal to you himself. He is going to reveal to you who he is. He has the opportunity to do that because he can now communicate directly with your spirit in the condition that you are in, regardless of what you are struggling with in your life, because he no longer holds your sins against you. He can now freely engage with you and share with you the deep things that he wants to share with you, the things of himself and the things that he is doing, the things that he is involved in, and he wants you to hear him so that he can provide you with insights and understandings about the world that he has created. He wants to share with you how much he accepts you He wants to convey his love to you in a way that you can personally understand and in a way that is well beyond how you could ever put into words. It is now through the restoration of himself within his creation, it is now that he can communicate to you, that he can speak to you, speak to you personally in an interactive way, moment by moment in your daily life as you engage the world that he has presented to you. Certainly our God spoke long ago to the fathers, to the prophets, and he also spoke through the Lord Jesus. But now he will speak to you in the very inner part of your being through his Holy Spirit. Now don't get hung up on some of these terms that I have used when I talk about the Lord Jesus being the manifestation of our God, that our God manifested in the flesh and dwelt among us. That means that the Lord Jesus is our God. In addition to that, when our God breathed his life within Adam and Eve and has offered that to us as our means of salvation today, that is also our God, we just refer to him in the context of the Holy Spirit. But technically, it is also the Lord Jesus, that it is the Lord Jesus who dwells within us, just as it is the Father who dwells within us and the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. These are terms that have descriptive meaning in the context of how he accomplished the salvation that we have. Whatever you do, do not get hung up on these terms. 
Do not get hung up on these terms, otherwise it is very easy to actually be a tritheist, which means a person who really believes in three gods. If there are ever any arguments with regards to the Lord Jesus being in your heart, or the Holy Spirit being in your heart, or the Heavenly Father being in your heart, or if the life that is restored to you is the life of God, or the Holy Spirit, or the life of Jesus, however people argue over these things, if they are arguing over them, I personally believe that they are actually tritheists and do not believe in one God. That's my opinion. Now, some of them would certainly argue with me over that, But I do believe that, as I have interacted with some people over my life who have tried to argue with me concerning these terms and how I describe the salvation that we have, I personally believe that they actually worship three gods. They're just not willing to admit it. Whatever you do, just make sure you do not miss the forest from the trees. The forest is that we have a God who has created all things, and he created you, and he wants to have a personal interactive relationship with you. And don't be distracted by the way that he has accomplished the salvation you now have. In the end, it is just you and him, one person and one person, that is you and your God, who is not divided and who is not a heavenly committee. You have a God who has taken up residency within you, and he will share with you the things that he wants you to know. And in some cases, he will have to wait for you to truly embrace what he does share with you, before he can share other things with you that do require you to understand some other things to truly appreciate and understand who he really is in your life. But that is an experience of growth and maturity that he will lead you in, and you can trust him that he will do that. Once you are born again of the Spirit, you are then going to be directed by the living God who is living within you, and he will complete the work that he began within you. You can trust him in this, Rely on him with regards to this and enjoy the adventure of the new life that he has presented before you. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Thank you.